Welcome to Gnostic Insights. My name is Dr. Sid Rop, and I'm your host. Welcome back to Gnostic Insights. Today I would like to explain what I think this Gnostic Insights religion business is all about. There's another major branch of Gnosticism called Sethian Gnosticism, and I'll talk more about that soon. But for now, this is Valentinian Gnosticism that we're talking about. These two different types of Gnosticism are rather different in their mythologies, and the primary characters have different names. So, we'll go into the differences between them very soon. You see, what I teach is Valentinian Gnosticism as revealed in the Nag Hammadi. And Valentinian Gnosticism is a form of Christianity. And I maintain that it is the actual form of Christianity, what Christianity should be. That's what I am teaching here. It's my understanding that this wisdom would have been what Jesus was actually talking about. And that's why the New Testament is consistent with what I have been teaching. So, you are not wandering into deep heresy just by listening to Valentinian Gnosticism, if you are a a Christian. There are a couple of major heresies in Gnosticism, in Valentinian Gnosticism, and, and I've been honest about those. And that is, one, that the creator of this universe that we've been calling Jehovah or Yahweh, is the creator of the heavens and earth. Yeah, but only up to the mineral level, basically. He is the, he's in charge of all the material in the universe, of making our material universe appear solid as it does. Whereas we all know from physics that actually it's energetic. So that is in line with Christianity. However, then Gnosticism goes on to say, and this creator of our universe is a fallen entity, is a fallen eon out of the fullness of God. And in Valentinian Gnosticism, as taught in the tripartite tractate book of the Nag Hammadi scriptures, so you can look it up yourself, you can read it. In Valentinian Gnosticism, in the tripartite, the eon who fell is named Logos. And Logos means, what? It, what is that Logos? It means knowledge, it means reason and logic. 
also Logos, was the final eon created and he held within himself all of the other eons in a smaller form. They were fractals. His body consisted of fractals of all the other eons. And because of this, he mistook himself for the fullness of God. And then he started thinking and acting on his own instead of in concert with his other eons. And reaching for the Father, Logos fell. And it is his broken body, all these fractals of the eons, that essentially rolled out of him and created our material universe. And the better part of Logos fled back to the fullness from whence he fell. So so he retreated right away. But he left behind. He abandoned basically his ego. So this God of the universe down here is an egoic God, is self-centered, but his actual true self, the rest of Logos fled back to the Pleroma from whence he came, abandoning that ego down below. And we call that ego of Logos, who's abandoned down below, we call that the Demiurge. So that is the major heresy of Gnosticism. It's that the Yahweh God of this universe is the character that the Gnostics refer to as the Demiurge. And the Demiurge doesn't really have the loving father characteristics because that aspect of the Demiurge fled back to the fullness of God where it is still to this day. So the Demiurge being the ego of that eon known as Logos, it kind of woke to itself being all alone and in control after the fall. And it is going about bringing order out of chaos, because the initial physical chaos was a quantum foam type of uncooperative, structureless structure. And after the father threw up a a border or barrier around the fallen demiurge and his bits and pieces that had rolled out, within that border now, the demiurge was able to build and what's called an economy. It's the economy of our material universe. So that's basic Gnosticism, Valentinian Gnosticism. But it happened to also be Christian. And so we believe in the Christ as the correcting algorithm, you could call it, or as the correction, the redemption, the rescuer, of this fallen universe. It is the Christ's mission to come and bring life to all of the fallen bits of the Demiurge, is actually to bring the Demiurge to redemption. And once that happens, everything material will roll back up into heaven, will roll on back up into the ethereal plane, including those of us who are still uh, here below in our mortal selves. So, 
the Valentinian Christians believe in the New Testament version of uh, Jesus of Nazareth being the incarnate Christ, half human, half deity, half fullness of God in particular, and animated through the Holy Spirit. The other big heresy in Gnostic Christianity is the notion that everyone will be redeemed, even the Demiurge. Every human will be redeemed. It is not based upon their merit or their works. It is not based upon rituals, such as baptism. It is based upon the fact that the Christ came to the earth, and it was the Christ's job to redeem us all, not ours. So it doesn't matter what you think about it. It doesn't matter whether you believe it or not. Uh, that does not limit the Christ's mission or accomplishment of the mission. So I don't see that that is a negative thing. I actually find it empowering of the Christ. It makes Jesus even more important because everyone was redeemed. Everyone who ever was, who lives now, whoever will be, is wrapped up in the redemption of the Christ because it is the Christ's job to do that. And the Christ accomplished his job. It says that throughout the New Testament. So why not believe it? It doesn't matter whether or not you hold out as an atheist. The thing is, when you do hold out, when you refuse to acknowledge the mission of the Christ, then it's a pretty good indication that you are not in tune with the Father or the God above all gods. Because the Christ is the child directly of the Father again, as was the original fullness of God. The Christ is from the Father. The algorithm is pure and true. So if you reject that algorithm, the implication is that you are rejecting the Father, not as an accident, because the thing is, doesn't it seem as though if you love the Father, then you will love the Son? And if you love the Son and the Christ, you are loving the Father. Anyway, that's the actual gospel period. That's all you need to know in Gnostic Christianity is that there is a Father, which is the ground state of consciousness in our way we like to put it nowadays. It's not New Age. By the way, Valentinian Gnosticism is not a New Age religion. It was buried in the desert for 2,000 years. This book I'm teaching you out of was written on sheepskin, parchment, and buried in a clay jar. So I don't see how you could call it New Age. It certainly is not derivative of anything that Madame Blavatsky wrote or anything. It, it, I don't think it's derivative of other systems. If it has other systems in common, that is truth that they all share. That is all gnosis that they all share. doesn't necessarily mean they're derivative of each other, meaning someone reads a book and then someone writes it in a slightly different way. That is derivative. Well, my book, for example, The Gnostic Gospel Illuminated, it is derivative 
of the tripartite tractate of the Nag Hammadi. It's just good news for modern man. But the Nag Hammadi is not derivative from other systems. It is not hermetic. It's not a translation of wisdom from an Egyptian god. So, I was about to tell you what the kernel of the Gnostic gospel is, right? The, the nut, the heart of the wheat. Here's what it is. We all come from originally, okay? It proceeds, it emanates out from a single source. There is consciousness that pre-exists. This is known as the Father, or the God above all gods. This is not a personified type of God. This isn't the old man with the beard walking around. That guy is the Demiurge, Yahweh. The God above all gods is discorporate. It has no body. It is illimitable, unknowable in the sense that it is has no limits. It doesn't, we can't know it because it is so, so far above us, but we can certainly name it. That concept is the father. Then the father particularized a portion and that is called the sun. That particularized portion is like a bucket dipped into the sea of consciousness and it contains all the same material, all the same knowledge. It just has a boundary about it. And this is called a monad. It has gone from being illimitable to being a monad, meaning singular. Then the monad, being the same creative type genius that the father was, of which it, it is, it immediately differentiated itself in the manner of um, like a rainbow of light coming out of the other side of a uh, prism, or like petals coming out of the center of a flower. It differentiated itself into what is called the all, which is all characteristics, all aspects of the sun, but each one of them a different feature, a different variable. And as soon as these aspects differentiated themselves, as soon as they all differentiated, it named, each of them named themselves. It became self-identities. They named themselves. They gave themselves places, positions, responsibilities, jobs, and they naturally sorted themselves into a hierarchy. And that hierarchy is called the pleroma, or the hierarchy of the fullness of God. And it's the same as the all was, except instead of being bursts of rays from a central point, it sorted itself into a hierarchy. And hierarchies are shaped like pyramids. Now, the hierarchy of the fullness of God is every particular thing that can ever be in a hierarchical format. All of them supporting each other, all of them sitting together like a, a, a great stack of cannonballs in a pyramidal shape, infinitely large. And together they dream, and together they give glory to the Father and the Son. The Son now is their Father. So sometimes there's a confusion between whether we mean the God above all gods, that being the ultimate Father of consciousness, or whether we mean the Father of everything that emanated since it was dipped in the sea of consciousness. 
they're both known as the father. So the son is sometimes called the father as well, because it is the father of the fullness. And the son and the hierarchy of the fullness of God are co-existent. They occupy the same thoughts, the same design. It is said that the son wears the fullness, wears the pleroma like a cape, and reciprocally that the pleroma, the fullness of God, wears the sun like a garment. So as our bodies move around with our souls or with ourselves, we are coexistent as the sun is to the fullness. But you don't even have to know those kind of details. It's just nice to know. Really all you need to know is that we come from the Father and we come from the fullness of God. We are their fruit. All of the living creatures in the universe, above the level of the rocks and stones, the stars, and the elements. Everything that's soft and squishy and eats and defecates and procreates. These living things are all the fruit of the fullness of God. So the pleroma, which is sitting up there like this giant pyramid, it's been fruiting into our material universe, all of us never stopping. And the Christ is yet a different type of thing. So we, we, by the way, all the living creatures throughout the universe, these are called the second order of powers. The first order of powers is the eons. The second order of powers is us living things. And then the next thing that is created is the Christ. And that is the fullness plus the son plus the father all mixed up together very special. It has everything in it, and it's not fractal down the way the eon was. See, the demiurge is all of the things that rolled out of him that have created our material world. They were copies. They were imitations of the eons, of the fullness of God. They were copies of the fullness of God, but they are a fractal level down because they rolled out of one eon. But all of the eons together make that fullness of God, that hierarchy, that pyramid. The broken eon, the one who fell, what came out of him was small versions of all of those eons that are in the fullness. That's why this is called the imitation. And it's also called the deficiency because it's smaller. And the only way that it's cohesive isn't through self-awareness because the rocks do not think. Only the demiurge is capable of carrying consciousness of any sort. And even that is entirely self-centered. That is egoic consciousness. It's his ego that was left behind. His actual self, his true self-fullness of God consciousness, fled back up to the Pleroma. So down here, Yahweh is just that broken part and all the fractals that rolled out. He controls them with ultimate, absolute power. The only way the Demiurge can bring order to chaos is to control it with complete domination of its will. Otherwise, it's chaos. And we don't come from the Demiurge. We come from the fullness of God. Our living self is animated by the Holy Spirit coming from the fullness of God. That's what life is. That's what the spark of life is. 
Demiurge, we didn't come from him. He doesn't recognize us. He doesn't know what, what the heck. And we, to him, are chaotic. And so the Demiurge tries to control all of us in the same manner as he controls the physical manner. But it's harder to control us because we've got free will, whereas the material doesn't. We are fruit of the eons of the fullness. And the Christ is the fruit of the eons of the fullness plus the Son plus the Father. So it was walking around on earth, at least one instance of it, according to the tripartite tractate and the Valentinian Christians, is in the form of Jesus of Nazareth. And all the power is on the Christ for the redemption. We do not earn it. As you know, none of us is perfect. You're not perfect. I'm not perfect. Your family, the dog, everybody misbehaves now and then. Humans are a special kind of animal in that we have logos imbued in us. Our selections of eons is some sort of an interesting mixture of very conscious persons, which is what I was talking about in the last couple of episodes. Go back to those. Our aeonic inheritance. Anyway, it was, it's basically our job to populate this material universe with life and, and living things. And the supposedly the eons thought that when we were created that we would remember more. You know, we do have a remembrance of paradise and the Father and the Son and the fullness. We every every second order power comes into this universe directly from there, so carrying this remembrance. But depending on what memes you carry in from a past life or what memes you pick up here in the form of the things that you love and the things you hate, these all cause us to be distracted and to forget our full remembrance, our full gnosis. And to that extent, we suffer during our incarnations. But if you remember, then you suffer less. If you try to live on the virtuous side rather than embodying vice and arconic mischief, you will be happier. You will be joyful. Not all the time. Bad things happen. We are living in a fallen world, and that, I suppose, is another heresy. For some reason, the Christians want to insist that this world is blessed by God and peachy keen, but it isn't. Everybody knows that, and when you deny it, you get sad or unduly frustrated or depressed. And those are just various ways that the Demiurge drives you into the arms of various chemical dependencies or endless distractions with Netflix or whatever particular thing ensnares. There's no need to be ensnared by the Demiurge and his archons. There's no need. You do it because you want to. We do it because we want to. Ah, just once, or just this time, or I'll quit next year, or whatever the deal is. It's an act of will. And then the more often we engage in the vice and whatnot, the easier it becomes. But the other side is true as well. The more we develop habits of virtue, the more comfortable we are. The easier the virtue versus vice choices become. 
Would you do such and such? Well, now many people have to think, hmm, would I do that? I don't know. Pretty Maybe just this once. Okay. If you ask a virtuous person, truly virtuous, I'm not talking about hypocrites. I'm talking about an actually virtuous person. If you ask them, yeah, would you do such and such? They'd go, heavens no, goodness sakes. I wouldn't dream of it. And they wouldn't. So those are the great heresies. And that is the great story of our universe in modern Valentinian Gnosticism. So that's pretty much the whole story once again. It never gets too old. It's a good thing that bears repeating. If you go to the GnosticInsights.com website, there is a tab at the top of the page that says Complete Episodes Library. You can go to that library I usually recommend going in order because the ideas are additive. Like, what do I mean when I say meme or things like that? But if you don't care about going in order and you don't want to have to listen to 65 episodes to get to this one, then just go to the topics that interest you and listen in. And then if you want to go back to understand more, you can. That's up to you, obviously. Until next week, onward and upward, and God bless.